The severity of your initial infection is not indicative of how bad things might be for you. Okay. And that's important to know because sometimes they're like, well, come on, you weren't even that bad with COVID. Why, why are you saying it's doing this to you? It's, it still can do things to you. Okay. So long-term means like four to six weeks after your initial infection, and you just don't feel like you're back to yourself. Hey friend, have you been exhausted for a really long time? Or perhaps you're dealing with just like all these weird symptoms that you can't figure out what's going on. And it really started last time you had COVID. Today, we're talking about long COVID and some of the symptoms that point to this being an issue how to resolve, how to make your body more resilient, and some of the solutions that perhaps you haven't heard about before. Our guest today is Dr. E, who is the founder of The New Method, where she empowers patients to finally realize that their symptoms are not in their heads. As a result, she helps people optimize their health, prevent illness, reduce medication, and feel great. Dr. E also sits on the board of trustees for Staten Island University Hospital, and serves as the president of the Nurse Practitioner Association. In addition, Dr. E owns a primary care practice called EG Healthcare, a medical scribe company, Hawk Scribes, and an education company, EG Prep. Dr. E is super knowledgeable and just a wonderful human to get to know. You can find her on Instagram at The New Method, and new is spelled K-N-E-W, the new method. You can also find her on Facebook and TikTok with the same name and YouTube. Also the new method by Dr. E. I'm really excited about today's interview. I really hope you get something out of it. And let's cut over to our time with Dr. E. Hey, my name is Leanne Vogel. I'm fascinated with helping women navigate how to eat, move, and care for their bodies using a low-carb diet. I'm a small-town holistic nutritionist turned three-time international best-selling author turned functional medicine practitioner, offering telemedicine services around the globe to women looking to better their health and stop second-guessing themselves. I'm here to teach you how to wade through the wellness noise to get to the good stuff that'll help you achieve your goals. We're supporting your low-carb life beyond the if-it-fits-your-macros conversation. Hormones, emotions, relationship to your body, workouts, letdowns, motivation, blood work, detoxing, metabolism. I'm providing the tools to put your motivation into action. Think of it like quality time with your bestie mixed with a little med school so you're empowered at your next doctor visit. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn about your body and how to care for it better. This is the Keto Diet Podcast. Hey, Dr. E, how are you? Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, of course, of course. So I'm new to your world. I found you. I love what you're doing. Can you explain what it is that you do, what lights you up, and why why you're dedicated to this work? Yes, thank you so much. And to the listeners, I'm going to make this brief and entertaining because intros are always boring. So I started off in conventional medicine. I have a primary care practice. It's called EG Healthcare. And it's great. You know, if you imagine your doctor or NP's office, it's just like that pediatric adult. Everything's awesome. But I realized over some time that it is really limited. I realized it through a personal journey with my wife who was sick and had autoimmune issue. I'll tell you about that later. But between her experience and the experience I had with my patients, it became clear that the limits of conventional medicine that there, are limit, that there are limits. Specifically, there are limits in that conventional medicine, which is wonderful. I still practice it at least once a week. It starts at the point of diagnosis. Once you have a diagnosis, that's where you want to be. If you need a medication, if you need chemo, if you need you know something intense. But if you live in the world of pre-diagnosis, I don't feel well, but no one can seem to find what it is. There's no room for you in conventional medicine because conventional medicine needs a lab, an image, an abnormal in order to diagnose you. And if you're just like, listen, I get it that my labs are fine, but I really, really don't feel well, there's no answers for you. That's the first limit. And the second limit is if you already have a disease process and you're like, okay, I got it. I need some medication, but what else can I do? What's the root cause? What can I do to turn this around? Conventional medicine cannot help you there either. So over time, I started realizing that I'm really not giving the full spectrum of what patients need. And so I went back to school and started with classes, eventually got my PhD in integrative medicine. And now I created the new method, 
which is really about empowering patients to understand that their symptoms are not in their head. Especially for women, we are told variations of it's in your head. Oh, you're just stressed out. Oh, you just had a kid. What do you expect? Oh, you know, it's because you work or or maybe you need to lose some weight. No, why don't you just exercise? These are all variations of get over it. It's in your head. And it's not. It's not in your head. So this is what I'm about. That's the name of my book also. It's not in your head. That is wonderful. That's So my mom just recently went through an experience where she had undiagnosed Parkinson's for almost four years. And we were kind of in this funny space of not getting a diagnosis because it wasn't bad enough, but knowing like probably this is Parkinson's. And literally doctors were saying, it's not bad enough yet. Come back when it's worse. And that was their solution. And it's like, are you kidding me? Like, we're literally just waiting here until it gets bad enough for you to finally say what we know it's going to be anyways. And yeah. Yes. And, that, and what you're describing is true for just about every disease. Let's think about this. Pre-diabetes. Great. Hey, listen, come back next year. I can't give you anything. Memory issues. You go to a neurologist with brain fog, which I know we're going to touch about on today. You go to a neurologist with brain fog and they're like, well, you passed the memory test, right? Because the memory test is geared for dementia. And this is what I'm saying until you have the thing. And it's not because they're mean and it's not because they're malicious. These are good people. They went to school. They want to help people. But the algorithm in their world starts at diagnosis. And this is why I tell my patients, don't get mad. You can't go to a plumber and expect electric. They went to school and they can help you once it lines up, you hit the algorithm, they're your person. They can't help you. They don't have the skill set. They don't have the tool set. There's no malice. There's no evil. There's no greed. That's another thing. People are like, oh, they just want your money. No, they don't have the tool set to help you in the pre-disease, right? Autoimmunity. How many people know they have autoimmune, but when they go to rheumatology, rheumatology says, no, you don't have it. Sure. I don't have it yet. <laughs> I'm on my way. <laughs> my joints every morning are stiff, classically rheumatoid arthritis. I get it that my RF factor isn't there, but can you help me now? No, I can't because by guidelines, I can only give you medication once your, R- your rheumatoid factor is positive, right? Thyroid. Hey, my mom has thyroid. My aunt has thyroid. I'm feeling sluggish. I'm constipated. I'm cold all the time. Well, your TSH is normal. Come back when it's not normal, but I have antibodies. I can't help you until you are medication ready. So it's frustrating, but I I want, if I could do, the second thing I want to help is my patients not get frustrated by the system. Use the system as it's designed. It is designed to help you once you're sick. And then you kind of have to opt out of that system for everything else. (laughs) Don't be frustrated with it. It doesn't have, it can't help you. Yes, completely. That is such great advice. I know when I realized that myself personally, my health changed because I was going from doctor to doctor to doctor trying to figure out why I wasn't getting my period back. And everyone said, I don't know. I don't know. Come back later. I don't know. And so I know for myself personally, that was such a huge shift in the mindset. And I love the way you described the system. And you're so right. I think sometimes we can get really bogged down in the negative and really down on ourselves with the experiences we've had for doctors and really learning how to use that system the way that it was designed, like you said, is key. Now in your practice, kind of using this template of understanding that we have this allopathic template when disease sets in, and then this functional template where we're maybe in some cases avoiding disease, you know, prevention and coaching up the body so that we don't get to that allopathic level. What are you seeing in your in your practice, like the top issues that aren't diagnostic yet, but they're they're headed in that way? What are you seeing? I would say first and foremost, autoimmunity. People are on the spectrum of, I don't feel good-itis, okay? I don't feel like the way I used to, and they will often blame it on age. Well, what do you expect? I'm, you know, I'm older than I used to be, or, you know, or they'll just feel off, right? Aches and pains, brain fog, skin's not the same, focus is not the same, and they keep going to their primary, and, you know, they're, they're not anemic, their thyroid's fine, everything's fine. But in my world, I see that as pre-autoimmunity because for us to, again, as I said, for us to truly diagnose autoimmunity, we have to have certain markers. It takes a really long time for a blood marker to shift, to show up. It takes years, decades. So, you know, what happens before that shift? Are you perfect? And then one day you wake up and the, the blood marker is there and like now you have, no, of course not, right? So you will feel unwell for a decade uh, or more. And that entire time, you're pre-autoimmune. So I would say pre-autoimmunity. And how do we know? 
Well, if you follow the symptomatology, the classic symptomatology of certain disease process, and you already have those symptoms, and I'll bring it back to thyroid because I think a lot of people know that, right? If cold all the time, constipated, I'm losing hair, well, it looks like a duck, sounds like a duck, right? It's not. So if you have joint pain worse in the morning and as you move, it gets better, probably on your way through rheumatoid arthritis. You know, if you have a lot of uh, skin issues, you know, maybe psoriasis, you might, might be on your way to psoriatic arthritis. So I see a lot of pre-autoimmunity that people just chalk up to age, right? Not like I was when I was in my 20s type of thing. That's a huge one. The other one I see a lot is IBS, okay? <laughs> Which is a catch-all phrase for my stomach doesn't feel good. And the problem with IBS is that that is not a treatable thing. What that is telling you is that your stomach's on fire all the time. And if we don't fix that stomach, we will get those diseases down the road. So I would say like this, to answer your question, pre-autoimmunity, I don't feel good-itis and my belly hurts all the time-itis. And (laughs) for me, that is all like, oh my God, let's fix this right now before it becomes a thing. And it's very, very real. Yes, completely. My practice is the exact same thing. <laughs> like the exact same thing. Looped in with like some hormone stuff of now all my hormones feel like I'm having all these hormone symptoms. And if we, you could just give me progesterone or something to make it better, that'd be great sort of thing. So kind of looped in there. I get a lot of that also. And I don't know what your take is on that, but usually the sex hormone is not the problem. It's downstream, yeah. right? If you fix the upstream hormones, usually, especially in the age, in the pre- menopausal age group, usually we don't need hormonal replacement. Completely. I agree with you. Like liver and gut, if your liver and gut are sideways, those hormones are not going to be working well. So let's go upstream and fix those. And so I think it's, they can be helpful. I don't want to say that those hormone supports can't be helpful for some people, but I just find they're usually a band-aid and you'll feel okay for a while, but long-term it's not going to fix the right, because that root cause. Issue. What happened? Why? Why? What's going on? Why? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. <laughs> completely. I feel like we could go back and forth for hours and just agree with one another, um, <laughs> which That's, are always fun episodes. <laughs> I mean, it's good because good for your listeners to know that, like, there's a whole world of people who think this way because sometimes you you start feeling like you're alone. <laughs> So, so for all of you listening, the fact that people get together and agree and come from it from different places is really should be empowering to you to know that you're on the right track. Completely. Yes, completely. From different walks of life in different areas, working with different people and we can agree on things. So I agree that should be an encouragement for sure. Now, here's a topic that we haven't talked about the show, talked about on the show ever, long COVID and just what's going on with this. I see it a little bit in my practice for sure. And I wanted to have you on to kind of unpack the symptoms, the issues, the supports, how to know if it's something we struggled with. I think something that I see consistently is when I'm pulling together history on an individual, of course you know, when they're, when they've experienced COVID, sometimes people bounce back, no problem, no issues, and they get on with their life. And other people, they don't even see that COVID was the thing that kind of pushed them over the edge. So yeah, tell us what you know about kind of those initial pieces of history and symptomatology and what we're looking at when it comes to long COVID there. So I'm I'm going to get really specific on COVID, but I do want to say this. I have seen people absolutely devastated from COVID and we're really not talking about it enough. And, but that being said, I have seen people devastated from other viruses as well. It's really important to recognize my patients often come in and say, ever since X, I'm not the same. And sometimes X is COVID, sometimes X is Lyme, sometimes X, sometimes it's so like a, something happened in your life ever since the divorce, ever since the birth, right? So, and that's important because it rarely is just that thing. So when I, when I first consult with my patients, I put an hour on the calendar for a consult because I have to hear your whole story. And my patients will come in and say, oh my God. And they're super rush. Like what happened the past two years to get to me? And I'm like, okay, first of all, we have an hour, no need to rush, but let's go back further. It cannot be just from two, not since you had COVID two years ago, what happened before? And inevitably I will discover that things were happening in their life that they may not have seen as connected. That's my job is to connect it, to get them to a weakened state even if they were feeling what they think is fine, prior to the last assault by COVID or another virus, which then sends them over the edge, right? Now, why is that important? Because 
if I tell you it's just COVID and we'll talk about that in a moment, then it almost is disempowering. But if I tell you, hey, there's a lot of things that happened before COVID that we can work on and fix so that not only can you recover from this assault, but the next virus or bacterial attack is coming, you'll be able to withstand that as well. Because once you get knocked down by one virus, the next one, you just it's harder and harder to get back up, right? So really want you to know that it, although it might feel like ever since X, whatever your X is, probably happened before that. And you need to work with someone who can tease that out for you. So I don't know if you wanted to say anything about that before I jumped into COVID. Jump in and then I have more questions, but jump in. Okay. So long-term COVID, COVID means like, and some people, by the way, were not really super sick, like, like from initial COVID. Some people, yes, they had the horrific, you know, pneumonia-like symptoms, respiratory symptoms. But sometimes they're like, you know, I was, I was fine-ish. Like it felt like a bad cold. So, so the severity of your initial infection is not indicative of how bad things might be for you. Okay. And that's important to know because sometimes they're like, well, come on, you weren't even that bad with COVID. Why, why are you saying it's doing this to you? It's, it still can do things to you. Okay. So long-term means like four to six weeks after your initial infection and you just don't feel like you're back to yourself. Okay. And the reason that is, is because, so this virus generally goes in through your nose or through your lungs. And if it goes in through your nose, like think about where we are, we're right near your brain. And if it goes <laughs> and through your mouth, we're right near your GI tract. Okay. So we're, we're some around some really vital organs. So patients will feel fatigue, myalgia, right? Joint pain, muscle pain. They will have cognitive issues. They will say, I have brain fog. I'm, I'm just not clear. Um, and I'm going to explain why in a minute. They, in fact, will do like pre and post MRIs. And there's some loss of gray matter for some people. So that affects like areas of, we all know that COVID smell, what, the smell goes away. Where is smell from? Smell is brain. Smell is brain. It's not your nose. Losing a sense of smell is brain, which means it's affecting areas of your brain. So to then say, I have cognitive issues is not a big leap. For some reason, conventional medicine is fine that you lose smell. But as soon as we say, I have brain fog from COVID, oh, that can't be. Okay. Of course it can be. Obviously respiratory. So some people have a long, hard time recovering from, they just can't back, get back to running. My daughter was one of the first people who had COVID. She's 25. She's healthy. She's, you know, in, in air quotes of normal weight. She couldn't run again for at least for a year for after COVID. So that is very, very real. Blood clotting issues, huge issue. New onset hypertension, blood pressure. You never have blood pressure, suddenly you have blood pressure. Anxiety and depression, primarily because you're not feeling well, so that can happen. But also people are not sleeping well and they get they can also form like like a level of PTSD around this, right? Like when am I recovering from this? This I can't believe this happened to me. You know, I was fine before this. So there's a lot of mental health challenges. Hair loss, new onset autoimmune, new onset diabetes. Never had diabetes before, suddenly I do. Never had Hashimoto's before, suddenly I do. So suddenly you have new antibodies that you didn't ha- didn't have. And that makes sense almost post-virally because again, you were probably primed for it. This virus threw you over the edge. And now whatever was cooking in the background, body's like, let's go, antibodies in full force. And now you start feeling the symptoms of your new autoimmune triggered by COVID, but it confounds it. So I'm going to pause for a moment because I talk a lot and just kind of make sure that we're on the same page. We're going to pause today's episode for a moment and chat about adrenal function. So if you already know that your adrenals need some love or you're not too sure, we're going to use symptoms, we're going to use your recent blood work, and then I'm going to provide the best solution for you. Okay, so if you have that blood work, open her up. We're going to be looking at the sodium and potassium. So for sodium, we want the level to be around 137 to 142. And for potassium, we want that to be around 4 to 4.5. So the further these are pulling apart, the more we can tell adrenal function. Okay, so let's say your sodium is sitting at 135 and your potassium is sitting let's say 4.6. Generally, this would highlight an adrenal hypofunction state. Now, conversely, if we were to see the sodium sitting at 144 and your potassium being say at 3.8, this would signify a hyperfunction. Okay, now looking at symptoms, if you're really unsure, perhaps you don't have blood work to use. 
an adrenal hyperfunction list of symptoms is going to include anxiety, depression, bloating, gas, maldigestion, weight gain, muscle loss, sleep problems, PMS, frequent colds or infections. Now on the flip side, hypofunction is going to include poor recovery from exercise, unstable mood, anxiety, jitters, depression, reduced stress tolerance, food sensitivities, digestive issues, craving for salty foods. Okay. So these are some signs to look for to know whether or not your adrenals need some love. So the resource, what do we do with this? Well, we looked at Ganoderma spore powder, also known as reishi. This is a powerful adaptogenic herb that has been used for centuries in traditional Chinese medicine. It is my go-to when I have a client that's either hyper or hypo. Maybe it's coming with some parasites. Maybe it's coming with some hair loss and some stress. Reishi is always the winning ticket. Now, this specific reishi that I recommend is from a company called Organo. And in future weeks, we're going to talk about how Organo is different, but it really comes down to the processing of this adaptogenic herb for our bodies so we can uptake as much as possible and also the potency of this product. So not only will this product help with adrenals because of its antioxidants and vitamins and minerals, it's also going to improve immune health because of its beta glucans. So if you're looking for an adrenal support and you want a boost in your energy, energy levels. You want better adrenals, healthier adrenals, healthier adrenal function, reduction in stress. Go ahead and check out the info page I've put together on Reishi so you can learn more by going to healthfulpursuit.com slash spore. That's H-E-A-L-T-H-F-U-L- P-U-R-S-U-I-T dot com slash spore. That's S-P-O-R-E. Now, organospores come in two forms. One is in a capsule, which I personally like. The other is in a coffee. So it's a powder you add to water or milk and down the hatch. Many of my clients actually do both. So if you want to learn about how we can use this to support our adrenals, head on over to healthfulpursuit.com slash spore. Yes, completely, completely. I think when you were talking about how people can experience it and some people go back to normal and some people don't, what makes the body, like you were saying with the history and things, what are the things that people were doing previously that make it more challenging for them in the experience of COVID or post-COVID? What are some of those factors? That's a great question. So let me take an extreme example that I think everyone will clearly understand and then take it back. So extreme example, right? If you are someone who's smoking, eating McDonald's all day long, your, your, your weight is in a risk factor. And now you get hit by COVID. I think it's obvious to everyone listening, this person is not going to be as resilient. Okay. So that, and I go and draw that picture on purpose because it's clear, oh my God, of course, this person's not healthy. Of course, he's not going to be able to mount the appropriate response. So now I want you to understand that that could happen in less obvious ways. You can consider yourself a healthy person, but maybe you don't know that you have leaky gut. Maybe you don't know that you have autoimmune cooking and it's kind of around the corner waiting, waiting for something to erupt. Maybe your sleep hasn't been on point because you're super career oriented or, you know, you have three kids that aren't sleeping through the night. And so you're depleted. Maybe there's something happening in your life, you know, so socially divorce or stress where you're just not at the, so you're healthy, you're eating gluten-free everything, you're, you're keto and you're like, it can't happen to me because look at all the things I'm doing, but there are other factors in your life that are maybe not on point. And that's, that's real. I mean, most of us don't have it dialed in on every aspect, right? And maybe you had a few issues in the past. I don't know. You had a gallbladder issue. You had a different kind of surgery issue, something else. Maybe when you were 18, you had mono really bad. Like there are things that happen to your life. No one's a clean slate prior to coming into this, right? So just know that as clear as it is to you with that picture of that really unhealthy person prior to COVID, the same lack of resiliency and lack of ability to to overcome this can happen with a different unhealthy picture prior to COVID. Does that make sense? Completely. Yes, completely. So that's like in general. So specifically to COVID, what happens with COVID is that the way COVID comes into our body, we have like these proteins outside of our cells. And one of those proteins is something called ACE2. And COVID specifically binds to ACE2 to get into the cell. 
And the problem is that ACE2, when no, when no one's bothering it, ACE2 has a lot of important functions in the body. It protects your blood vessels, your heart, your brain, your lungs, your kidneys, your bone marrow, inhibits inflammation. So ACE2 has an important job. And suddenly COVID is attached to ACE2 and it's preventing ACE2 from doing its job. And this is important, right? So again, if you are attacked by Lyme, yes, we're going to, so we have this general kind of issue of, hey, are you resilient enough to overcome? And then you're going to have, okay, I'm not resilient. I got it. I have to do that. But now I'm attacked by this. I think you are like a parasite person. So you're going to give certain things for parasite and we're going to give certain things for Lyme. And then there are certain supplements for COVID specifically designed around ACE2. So we have to do this general work to improve your resiliency, your immune system, your gut health. But then there's going to be specific work and that's going to be around this ACE2 issue. So because ACE2 has so many important things, but it's it's anti-thrombotic, meaning it is in charge of making sure you don't throw blood clots. This is one of the reasons why clotting becomes an issue. You know, blood clots, PEs, blood clots in the legs for a lot of people post-COVID because it, it attaches there. So, so this ACE2 is now busy managing COVID. So this is kind of where we're at. I just like to check in before I continue babbling. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> completely. It makes perfect sense. Continue. Yes, okay, I'm following good. you perfectly. And I hope everyone listening is too. All right, so we have this ACE2, that's problem number one. And problem number two is that COVID also affects mitochondria. We don't talk about mitochondria enough in healthcare, right? Because there's no medicine for mitochondria. We have a lot of medicine that messes the mitochondria. We don't have a lot of medicine that fixes mitochondria. So mitochondria, if you go back to high school, it's called the powerhouse of the cell. It's, it's, the, it's, it's your batteries of every cell. That gets damaged. If your power source gets damaged, we're not going to do well. It's the reason, by the way, why we age because our mitochondria. So there's a normal, there's a normal expectation that our mitochondria sort of fail over time, but then there are things that hasten it that make it that make the mitochondria fail before its time. COVID is one of those things. So again, recovery has to do with optimizing that lifestyle, fixing ACE2, and then also repairing the mitochondria. And then if you've developed any new issues as a result. You develop thyroid, you develop blood pressure. We have to manage those kind of organ issues that have now developed as well. So optimizing lifestyle. I know that your audience really, really talks about and knows nutrition and that's awesome. I mean, that's a big, huge chunk of it. If you're eating the standard American diet, it's not going to work out for you, but cannot stress enough how important sleep is. Like it's just so important. And it's actually a conversation in my house all the time. My wife and I both, you know, health nuts is what we do. And she likes to wake up super early to go swimming. And I keep having this conversation. I was like, I do not agree that you forego sleep for exercise. If you have to put food on the table, that's when your shift starts. It is what it is. But to voluntarily forego sleep because you think you're going to go do something healthy, like exercise, is counterproductive. Sleep, 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 sleep. I can't say it enough. It's as important as nutrition, not after, equal. If you are not optimizing your sleep, I don't care how much gluten-free ice you're going to eat, you're not recovering from anything. <laughs> okay. Completely. <laughs> Completely. You have to sleep. Certain things happen when you sleep that cannot be done if you're not sleeping. There is a whole system. It's called the glymphatic draining system. I'm not going to get into it, but there's a whole, think of it as like the sanitation department of your brain works at night when you're sleeping. And if you're not sleeping, you're not letting sanitation come in, take out the debris, clearing out the, the streets. You're not allowing it to happen, which means the next day you're waking up and there's still waste in your streets of your brain, and now you're trying to, to, to function. So you have to sleep in addition to your nutrition. And of course, your nutrition has to be anti-inflammatory. Everyone gets there a little bit different. I like for it to be plant-based. I, that does not mean vegan. Plant-based, meaning your, your plate should look like the rainbow, not Skittles. And then I think that on top of that plant-based, you have a little bit of animal protein, a little bit, not a lot of it, unless you're ethically against it. And that is how, for me, what anti-inflammatory looks like, because there is a lot of, all those colors are medicinal. The colors of every one of those vegetables are your medications. They need to be on your plate. You cannot, you cannot just eat green. You cannot just eat spinach and grilled chicken for the rest of your life. It's not going to work out for you. You have to purposely put colors in because those are basically your medications. So pausing just to do like a pulse check there. (laughs) Yes, completely. I agree with you. A couple of years ago, I mean, I love plants. I, even when I was doing a strict ketogenic diet, I 
I remember getting up on stage at one of my first talks at a keto event and I was talking about the diversity of plants and your ketogenic diet. And I was so afraid people were going to throw butter at me or something like just being <laughs> no, so gee, angry, gee. <laughs> like just, just like, shut up, <laughs> get off the stage, boo. Because yeah, you need the diversity. You know, we have these specific bacteria in our gut, like Acromancia and Fasobacterium that specifically work off of that diversity. Like we require it. And if you're just getting started and maybe your diet consists of, kale and spinach and maybe some broccoli and some cabbage. What really helped me is every time I would go to the grocery store, I would try one new vegetable. I would just try something new, get really comfortable with it. And then after a little while, I would incorporate another one. And now I am very proud to say I eat a variety of 30 different plants a week. And it's, and that sounds like so much, but it's actually not, it's, it's really not, but you have to work up to it. So maybe have a goal like this week, I'm going to have five different plants. Next week, I'm going to have six. Next week, I'm going to have seven. I agree. And you can slowly start to work up from there. I agree. And I just recently interviewed someone who, you know, he's he's a cardiologist turned functional medicine. I love when, you know, my colleagues come, we come over to the other side. But he is of the mindset, I just want to put out there that this exists. He's a carnivore and he feels like he's getting his plants from his animals that are eating the plants. For me, I have a hard time digesting that, pun intended, but I just want to let you know that that theory is out there. So <laughs> I think you need to see the color stuff. Okay. So that's kind of lifestyle. So now, you know, the next question I get asked a lot is supplements and I always finish off with supplements. I never start with supplements because I really like to drive home. That it is never going to be a supplement game. There is no one pill. There is no you know, that you have to get out of that mindset. People always ask me, even on TikTok, why aren't you suggesting supplements? Because it's not my jam. My jam is not to sell you supplements. My jam is to help you understand that the supplements is like 10% of the game. You, You have to do the big stuff, food, the sleep, the social relationships, the stress. Supplements are amazing, but I don't like when people start there. It gets me nervous. So it gets me nervous because I'm thinking you're eating like pizza and McDonald's and then you're throwing in an omega-3. It's not going to work out. So anyway, Looking at supplements through the lens of COVID, we have omega-3 that we know is good, but I need you to know that it enhances ACE2, right? So we're focusing on COVID. Omega-3 is really specific. They actually did a study on this for critically ill patients post-COVID, and they did omega-3, and it, it created what's called an 84% decline in mortality. Now, I know we're not trying to just save lives here. These are people who are chronically issued, but if it's saving lives, we can extrapolate from that it's also helping with symptoms. Curcumin, turmeric, again, specifically affects ACE2. So that's really important. It's been used to actually reverse heart issues with some patients. So again, we're extrapolating for that, that it's going to help us with less significant symptoms. Something called resveratrol, again, specifically for ACE2. These are all things that you may have heard of, but now through this ACE2 lens. So it improves blood flow to the brain. So if you're dealing with brain fog, you know, even your smell issues, resveratrol specifically for ACE2 in the brain. So that's, that's huge. Vitamin D, no, we love vitamin D, but again, it works on ACE2 on the level of the tissue to decrease inflammation. So your aches, your pains, your myalgias, and then ALA, alpha lipoic acid, again, ACE2 in the brain. And also if you're suffering with blood pressure issues, secondary to COVID, it really helps there. And now, so that's ACE2. And then to, to kind of focus on your mitochondria, because we, we want to make sure we're on top of that. We're going to talk about NAD plus, and then we're going to, these are specific supplements. I'm actually right now reading off of a list because I did research that are really specific to the mitochondria for COVID. Ubiquinon, which helps inflammation. CoQ10, I know we know about CoQ10, but again, for mitochondrial repair here. And glutathione, glutathione is magic, glutathione is an antioxidant, but it's very geared to mitochondria. And I think that is the list that I have specifically for I think I had one more. Um, I apologize that I'm I'm looking at this because there was one more. Ah, oh, specifically, rain. yes, I actually started taking this because I got so excited after my COVID uh, episode, which is vin vinpocetin, v i n p o c e t i n e, vinpocetin, and that is specifically to enhance neuroplasticity and reduce inflammation with the brain um, to anyone suffering with brain fog. So I think that is you know in the supplement world enough of a supplement list specifically for COVID. And one other thing I would say to you to do in the, in the lifestyle world, but also helps chemically is walking 
outside in the sun. There is something that, especially if you're dealing with brain fog, when you're walking outside in the sun, you release a chemical called BDNF, brain-derived nootropic factor. And studies have been done around walking in BDNF to help reverse dementia. They show that people who suffer with dementia, if we encourage them to work as, walk as little as 10 minutes a day, it helps with our cognitive decline. So that's on that spectrum. So if you are suffering a brain fog and you're doing all this, you need to get outside and walk, not to walk to exercise to sweat. Guess I put on like an audiobook, just walk. There is something chemically magical that is going to happen to your brain as you walk outside. So again, doing a pulse check, seeing where we're at. With totally. This. So what I'm hearing you say is lifestyle, ACE2 support, mitochondrial support. Under mitochondria, would you say that blue light blocking or, you know, keeping a pulse on your sleep cycle and circadian rhythm, do you feel like that is part of it too? Without a doubt. Going back to lifestyle, I mean, ultimately lifestyle affects mitochondria, right? Everything we're doing is affecting mitochondria and inflammation. This particular one is so hard because the reality of the modern world is we stay up late, we wake up early. So, I, you know, when I give this advice, I always, I always want to make sure this advice is not supposed to make you anxious and you're not, you don't need to rearrange your entire life and go down to this vortex. This advice is just, this, this is what would be great. Do as best as you can being mindful in the reality of your world. So of course it'd be great if we woke up with the sun, went to sleep with the sun, but that would mean you wake up at like, I don't know, this morning the sun ro- rose here at 6 a.m. and by five it's dark. So obviously it's not realistic. Be mindful. I try whenever possible. I have a windowless office. Try whenever possible to take a moment and go outside just so my brain knows it's daytime. It's really helpful. That doesn't mean I'm in the middle of the day. I can leave for a full hour, but just having an awareness, I'm like, oh man, I didn't see the sun all day today. Let me just stop what I'm doing real quick and go outside. Maybe two seconds, two minutes, because it's cumulative over time. Yes, get as much as possible in your life. Get your Be mindful of your circadian rhythm. And the opposite of that, in reference to your blue light, be mindful of the fact that staying up at night with that phone in front of your face is really your brain because it tells your brain it's daytime. And then your brain's like, wait, melatonin, cortisol, what should I release? You know, it's a primitive brain. doesn't really know that it's an iPhone. <laughs> so know that there is a messaging that happens as you're on your phone at 12 o'clock thinking it's going to put you to sleep. It's not, by the way. Yeah, this is a great question. Okay, we're going to do a little crash course on determining whether or not you need vitamin C using your standard blood work. So if you have a blood work panel sitting around, maybe it's a couple months old, maybe a year old, and you want to follow along, I'm going to show you how to determine whether or not you need vitamin C. I want you to look at your RBC. We want that level to be around 4 to 4.5. If it is above this, chances are you might need vitamin C. Another really good marker for vitamin C need is albumin. If it's looking a little bit low, let's say it's like 4.2 or 4.1, in addition to that RBC being elevated, it might be a good sign that you need vitamin C. Another really good marker to use for vitamin C need is your alkaline phosphatase. Is that If this is elevated beyond 100, chances are, in addition to the other markers, you might need vitamin C. Now, these are just a couple of handful of markers that I see elevated and kind of wonky in a couple of my clients that requires them to take vitamin C. Now, There are a whole bunch of different ways that you can take vitamin C, but the most effective way to actually balance things out is a whole food-based vitamin C, and that's why I love Paleo Valley Essential C. It's been third-party lab-tested as the most powerful 100% natural vitamin C product on the market today. It contains not one, but three of the most concentrated natural sources of vitamin C, amla berry, camu camu berry, and unripe aceola cherry the most potent source of natural vitamin C on earth, which is 120 times higher than found in an orange. Each nutrient-packed serving delivers 750% your RDI of vitamin C, an amount meant to help you thrive, not just survive. Most other vitamin C supplements are derived from GMO corn and only contain one fraction of the vitamin, ascorbic acid. 
Paleo Valley Essential C Complex contains the entire spectrum with absolutely no synthetic vitamin C, just organic superfoods. Head on over to paleovalley.com and load up on a couple of bottles of their vitamin C complex. Whatever else you find that catches your eye, if I had to tell you like a recommendation, I really, 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 really love their meat sticks. They're fermented. They're fantastic. And when you enter the code KETO at checkout, you'll receive 15% off your first order. Again, that's paleovalley.com and use the code KETO for 15% off your first order. Completely. I think when I know that I can't sleep, like maybe I've worked too late or I'm just a little bit frazzled. You know, you have those days where you're a little bit anxious and you're laying in bed. You're like, maybe I should turn on the TV for a little bit. Don't do that. Maybe I should play a game on my phone. Don't do that. So what I've been doing is taking my juve light. It's like probably a, I don't know, two feet by one foot. And I put it up to my face and I set the timer for 20 minutes. I pass out like that red light just does it for me every time, every time. And it is such a great tool because our, I don't know why it is, but oftentimes at least for me, I'm like, I'll turn on the TV. I'll play with my phone. I'll incorporate more blue light and see if that helps me sleep. Just like, no, 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 Leanne, try the red light. And every time I will pass out and I will wake up and the red light is still in the place in that the next morning. Wow. Just, oh, it is such a great tool if you can't that is sleep. That's awesome. What, what I do is I actually put on an audiobook because there's something for me, I guess from childhood of having being read to at night. So I put an audiobook on with a timer so I don't have to mess with it. Like you have 15 minutes, 20 minutes and it works like a charm every time because it gets your mind off of things. They actually have sleep stories. I can't remember on what app it is. It's like a sleeping app and you can play sleep stories and oh, they'll like great. talk like you're that like talk to you like they want you to sleep. And I really enjoyed those many, many years ago. I, I'm sure it still exists. That's a great tip. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Sorry, sorry. I just wanted to say about sleep that a lot of people say, I can't sleep or I wake up because I'm so anxious. I want to challenge you on that. Yes, you're anxious. And I'm not saying you're not anxious, but what happens is, you know, if you, you're woken up for a different reason, a lot of times people are woken up because they didn't eat on point, they had caffeine in the afternoon, you're woken up for a different reason. And then your mind starts to think, right? Because once you're awake, like, let's go, what's tomorrow? What's my shopping list? What's my to-do list? But it's not because you're anxious that you are awoken. So be mindful of what's happening during the day, the decision you make, and don't say, well, I just can't turn off my brain. It's not necessarily what's happening. It's like a chicken egg thing. If that happens in the middle of the night, whereas falling asleep at night, I think that's hard to maybe shut off the brain, which is why the audiobook helps because you're focused on something else. You could stop thinking about your to-do list and you go to sleep. Yes. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Also, if you're waking up to pee a whole bunch of times and you know that you're past you lived or worked in a water damaged building because that's kind of the realm that I work in. I do see that pattern quite consistent with mold illness of just if you're constantly waking up and you're peeing all the time, that could be a sign that there's some mold situation. And two, even an electrolyte balance, which is why you're usually getting up to pee due to mold issues. And so playing around with your electrolytes. I didn't know that mold, that that was a sign of mold. So I thank you for enlightening me. Yeah, you're you're totally welcome. And looking at the electrolytes, I find if I don't have enough electrolytes in the day, I'll wake up to pee more just because my electrolyte balance is off. Whereas if I make sure that I have enough electrolytes, I'll sleep through the night. And that's really what's happening in the case of mold illness. Your body is cellularly dehydrated. And when you're not having that proper hydration, you'll usually wake up to pee. So that's a little side tip. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. So we've talked a little bit about the solutions, the supplements, the lifestyle piece. What are some of the, like for a woman listening right now, perhaps she's gone through her history and she says, you know, I've never been the same since having COVID a year and a half ago or six months ago or whatever the case may be. What are some clear expectations that she can have in this process? Is it just that she needs to watch her sleep, maybe take some NAD plus and then over a week, she feels better or kind of what should we expect out of this process? Okay. That's really, really uh, a difficult one because we don't know what else is on board for this woman besides COVID, right? We did say that it's very rarely just COVID. So does this, does this woman also have an autoimmune issue? Does she also have IBS? Does she, is she also in a horrific relationship at home, right? So there's so many factors and that's, 
And I guess that's the expectation. The expectation is don't expect that anyone is going, if anyone tells you take this and you'll be better, please run away. I, I actually am working with someone who had spent thousands of dollars prior to meeting me on random protocols. There is no protocol for this. Okay, there's no protocol for this. There are certain guidelines. I certainly start my patients with a certain guidelines, but the understanding is that we have to wait to see what your body's going to tell us. Did this work? What do we need to tweak? What, right? It's really custom. It's really customized because everyone's different and everyone comes to play differently. So expectation is that you're going to need to do some work and you're probably going to need to give up some things that you really love, even if you think they're healthy. And if you're willing to do that, then you could probably get out of this. Might take some time, probably get out of it. But if you're not willing to do that and you're really looking for a quick fix or a protocol or a set of pills, it's not going to work. The expectation is that this takes time. How long it takes depends how sick you are. Some people really, it's just a matter of cleaning up their diet and we are good to go. And some people, as you know, we clean up their diet, we fix their hormones and maybe they still have mold on board. So, you know, and and mold now has just really taken a toll because you're in a weakened state, right? So it really, really depends. I tell my patients that all the time. That's the answer. It depends. <laughs> I know. And it's the question you get every time. Like, so how long am I going to have to do this for? And you're like, I can't answer that question. I can't. Yeah, there's no way, you know, and I had, a, I had a patient recently who it wasn't COVID, but this is just to drive the point home. So this woman was dealing with weight issues, severe, severe endometriosis, fertility issues, psoriasis all over the map, just really unwell. And we started working together. We started with nutrition and lost the weight, psoriasis improved, endometriosis. Oh my God, she did not need another surgery. Her fertility doctor is so excited with her. So everything's great, right? And then, but there's this one area in her, this we're in like month five now. There's one area of psoriasis that just wouldn't budge. Super compliant. I wasn't worried that she was like sneaking, you know, foods or anything. This is a patient that we had to do further testing on. And we discovered that for her, the fact that she was still eating avocados was in her way. Okay. I would never tell somebody in the million years not to eat avocados. Never come to her. We did Cyrex lab testing and it was avocados. She removed the avocados. The last of her psoriasis was gone. And this is what I mean with, I have no idea. I, in fact, I encourage avocados, <laughs> you know, so for her, by removing a lot of the starch and the gluten, all these things, everything was great. But in her healthy plate, there was still one thing that she ate almost daily that was still creating inflammation for her. So it's so patient dependent. Yes, completely. You have to have that drive to want to do better and then have those resources like Cyrex. They're fantastic. And there are certain tests when used properly and timed well can be really, really helpful. Timed well. Yes. Don't start. But the timed well, this is, this is the key piece. (laughs) I agree. I agree. Timed well is, you you know, I don't like to, if you start people with tests, everything's going to be positive. To, it's just going to be a hot rack. It just like, yeah, and all, then you could just yeah. be like, "Oh, look, I figured out what's wrong with you." Did you? Because everyone's positive on everything. On, every, you know, I try to do my tests later on after we kind of clear the weeds a little bit. I agree with you so much. Yeah, yeah, completely. The clearing the weeds is so so important. And some some people will come to you with the weeds pretty clear. You know, like they've been on this journey and maybe they've worked with practitioners, and you're like. Okay, okay, we're going to need some tests because I'm not entirely sure where this is going. But yeah, if they don't have things dialed in and you're looking at things and you see that low-hanging fruit, take that first for sure and then assess. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't you're agree right. with you more. And that patient has been on the journey. So for those of you who might be listening and you're on that journey, what I would suggest, and I have a few patients who are like that, you said, right, they're relatively clean, they've been on the journey, things aren't doing well. One of the things that really helps, we, we use the software that quantifies symptoms. And it really helps to dial down on the symptoms. And then instead of it being like, well, I still have it like an on off. Do I have it? Do I not have it? Count the amount of days in between that are good in between flare-ups. So if I had a GI issue every day and now I've had a GI issue every day, if I say to you, how's your stomach? Yeah, it's still bad. Right. But now we have good days in between. And so I have patients where our goal is to just get more and more days in between flare-ups. And if we can get the flare-ups down to like twice a month, from every day, that's the win. So sometimes it's important to also help people understand that it may not be gone. It may be about creating more time between bad days. And when you start seeing it that way, you also gain more hope. You're like, oh, you're right. Last month it was every day. Now it's every other day. Okay, this is working. 
and then it's every three days. And so, and, and that is a different pattern towards health. And some, and I think sometimes we're like, but it's still happening and you feel like it's not working. So you have to kind of quantify the time between. That's brilliant. I have not done that. I've done like a lot of, you know, rank it from zero to 10 and then I bucket everything together and get a system check. And that gives me a pretty good understanding if they're perceiving things to go down, but I've actually never thought to track in between days. That is smart. Love that idea. <laughs> because, because with patients who are really, really like not difficult in the sense they're, they're lovely humans, difficult to get them better. It's really important. I have them journal, like how many times my flare ups, like really write it down. And then they see it. And when they see it, that has a healing process also like, Oh, it's, I'm getting somewhere. Right. So it's, it's good. The sweetest feeling is going through labs or going through things with a client and seeing them see, at least on paper, that things are getting better. And you can see them get so encouraged and just, they're all lit up. And that is a healing process on its own. I've seen it happen. Like, yes, completely, completely. Dr. E, where can people find more from you? This has been such a lovely conversation. If people want to learn more from you or connect with you, where can they do that? So it's called the new method and new is spelled with a K because you always knew there was a better way. So it's the new method on every platform except for Twitter because I talk too much. So wherever you consume content, Instagram, Facebook, podcasts, um, TikTok. For some reason, I'm on fire on TikTok. Don't know why. And also our website. So the new method.com, there's a way how to do a consult with me. But if the consult is unreachable for you, I produce content with the intent for you to consume it and enjoy it and you know work. And, and I have a book. It's like 20 bucks on Amazon. It's free on Kindle. The goal is to just move the needle on your health however you get there. So the new method everywhere. Brilliant. Amazing. Thanks for coming on the show today. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor. A great conversation, right? I hope you really enjoyed yourself as I did. And you got a little notepad. You have some steps and ideas to move forward. That's what we want here on the Keto Diet Podcast. Again, you can connect with Dr. E by following her over on Instagram, The New Method. Remember that new is spelt with a K, and we will see you back here for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Bye. Thanks for listening. Join us next Tuesday for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Looking for more resources? Go to healthfulpursuit.com for keto meal plans, weight loss programs, low-carb recipes, and oodles of free resources to get you going. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representation or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program. 